All right, take your Bibles now, if you would, please, and turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. We are in a series through the whole book of Genesis in 2020, and coming to the end of this book, the final 13 or so chapters, following a man named Joseph, and what it means to learn from his life to trust God always. To trust him in times of temptation, we looked at last week. This week, we want to look specifically at his life and learn what it means to trust God in the pits. Now, I say in the pits because he was literally, if you're there in Genesis 37, he was literally thrown in a literal pit. Says in verse 23 and 24, it came about when Joseph reached his brothers. They had been out watching the family flocks. He had not been because he was dad's favorite and didn't have to go to work like his brothers did. But then he sent them out. Dad sent Joseph out to him. And when he reached his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him. That was the special. Coat, if you will, given to him by dad that kind of represented, you're the favored child. This is why we hate you. So they strip it off him and they throw him into a pit. Now the pit was empty without any water. In other words, the point wasn't to drown him. The point was to capture him. Until then, they would sell him to some passing Ishmaelites on the way to Egypt so that they would actually sell their brother into lifelong slavery. Now, is that the pits? Yeah, come on, folks. Uh, You've had some pits. You've never had that pit. So it represents this literal pit represents trusting God in adversity. And what we're going to see is that Joseph had his share, maybe more than his share of adversity. Because I'm going to define 10 pits, not literal pits like this one, but 10 specific examples of adversity that Joseph faced. And here's what I want you to do. I want you, as we go through them, to, especially if you take notes, when you see one that Joseph experienced and you go, I've been in that pit or I am in that pit now, just put a little asterisk beside it. My point being, because I want you to think this morning, what's it mean for me to trust God in the pits that I'm experiencing? Because I think some of you will experience or will mark multiple ones going, oh, 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 oh. Some more, some less. But everybody faces adversity, yes? Yeah. Anybody facing adversity right now? All right. Wait a while, the rest of you get to put your hand up with great joy when adversity comes. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, when I say, okay, I am facing adversity, I've just become so used to it. But the goal is what? To learn to, like last week, trust God in the face of temptation, to trust God in the face of adversity. So here are the the 10 pits that I see in Joseph's life. First of all, the pit of of a family divided or broken. 
Joseph's family makeup was not a traditional family. Maybe you grew up in or you're living in a traditional family in the sense of a father and a mother and then some siblings. Joseph had a dad, 11 brothers, and four moms in the sense of there were four moms in the house. I didn't have four men who acted like dads in my life, but my family was, in some sense, one mom, three siblings, and four dads. So maybe you have are or have experienced separation, divorce, and that pit of adversity there. But it's not always just separation and divorce. Part of their brokenness was by favoritism. There, there may be division in your family uh, because of a particular disagreement or a real hurt in the past that has broken your family apart. The pit of a family divided or broken. If you can connect to that, put an asterisk by it. Second, the pit of being excluded or lonely. As the favored one, he was excluded by his brothers. They hated him. And there's one thing to be lonely. It's another thing to be lonely around a bunch of people. That's a lot worse. Maybe you felt lonely or excluded in your literal family, a male-dominated family and you were a female, or a female-dominated family and you were a male, you kind of just felt like either because of your interest or your personality, you didn't fit. The pit of being betrayed, Joseph by his brothers, maybe you by your spouse, or your parents, or a sibling, or a really close friend who you still feel the wound of like what felt like a stab in the back. If you felt betrayed, maybe you're in the midst of it right now or you've experienced that, put, put an asterisk there. And the pit of hardship because of the sinful choices of others. So much of Joseph's life was the overflow of because not what's recorded about his disobedience, but others' disobedience. Within our own body, my heart breaks for the couple who no longer get to enjoy life with their daughter because a criminal killed her. That's living life in the pit of hardship because of the sinful choices of others. Maybe a drunk driver. Or maybe your heart breaks because you have kids who are divorced because a spouse cheated. And now you're living with a broken family in that regard. You see what I mean? There's hardship because, not because you're perfect, but specific hardships because of the sinful choices of others. If you can relate to that, put an asterisk by it. The pit of false accusation. Joseph was accused of rape. He didn't rape, but he was accused of it and treated like he did. Maybe you've been falsely accused. I remember 
years ago uh, during my first year as an elder at CFC, us making a, a righteous decision but being falsely accused by a lot of folks that are sitting where you're sitting. And, and I wasn't prepared for doing the right thing but being accused of doing the wrong thing. 30 years old, I wasn't ready for that. False accusation can be a bitter pill to swallow. If you've been falsely accused, maybe put a, uh, an asterisk by that. The pit of being truthful but not being trusted. That's what Joseph experienced. He told Potiphar, I didn't do it. It wasn't me, it was your wife. And the man, Potiphar, who had trusted Joseph so much that he'd put him in charge of the entire house, he throws that same guy in prison. Not because Joseph had done something wrong. He had done the right thing. But even though he knew in his heart of hearts he was right, that he had told the truth, he wasn't being trusted. That can break a lot of marriages. This can be the, the pit for a lot of teenagers. I'm telling the truth, but mom and dad don't trust me. The pit of injustice. Being in prison for something you didn't do. It's one thing to be accused of doing something you did, didn't do. It's another thing for having to pay the price for something you didn't do. That's a horrible place. Hey, let's, let's just be honest. What has blown up 2020 has been the outcry for Long, long periods of a whole group of people going, we feel like there has been injustice and it's never been made right. It's a pit of real adversity. The pit of being forgotten or overlooked. See, I, I have put myself, tried to the best I could in, in Joseph's situation. If you don't know it, He's in prison for something he didn't do. And then servants of the Pharaoh are thrown into prison as well. And they have a dream and Joseph interprets their dream. And both of their dreams come true. One of them very badly, he loses his life. The other one very happily, he is saved and he gets out of prison. But before he leaves prison, he says to Joseph, you have been such a huge blessing, I'll never forget you. And, and I've thought, man, what would have been like for Joseph to, to put his head, if he had a bed in prison, to lay in bed that night and say, thank you, God, for bringing that guy here because now, finally, righteousness is going to be served and I'm going to get out. But the guy forgets him. Completely forgets him. And so he goes from being forgotten to then two years. Hopes dashed. It's what I feel every Mother's Day for women who have dreamed their entire life of getting married and having children but have only experienced barrenness and never been able to conceive. That pit of adversity of hopes dashed. Maybe you've been in, that's just one example. Had your hopes dashed where you really thought, this wasn't sinful hopes, these were like God-given hopes. 
Where'd they go? Dashed. You had this picture of the way life would be, and it's not playing out that way at all. If you can relate to that, any of these, remember, just put an ashika. That's me. That's my adversity. And then 10, the pit of wounds reopened. Uh, Joseph was 17 when his brothers stripped him and threw him in a pit to sell him into slavery. He's 30, 13 years later, when he's taken out of prison for something he didn't do, and he becomes elevated to second in command of all of Egypt. So he's in his 30s when his brothers, in a time of famine, come to seek help in Egypt with no idea that the brother they sold is now the one in charge of the food that they need. And so he recognizes them, but they would never imagine it's him, so they don't recognize him. And so he does some investigation. And in that process, he discovers they're liars all over. They're still liars. And they still don't believe. And it reminds me, some people, you live with... Every day at a certain year, an old wound is reopened. And whenever you see a person, kind of an old wound is reopened, and, and you think about the pain, you feel the pain, you almost relive the pain again. And, it, and it's like the pit that you think you're out of, but then you're back in, and then you're out, but then you're back in. Uh, because it's just like that scab that gets torn off again and just bleeds again. Now, I don't know if you can relate to three of those ten, seven of those ten, but I seriously doubt. I would say Jackie and I have had a, a really good life, and so she came Thursday night, and I said, hey, did you find yourself in relating? She was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Probably none of us, though, would go all 10. But there might be. The point is this. The goal is not that we go, well, misery loves company, so if I'm in a pit, I'm glad you're in a pit too. That's kind of a, that's kind of a stupid whole thought anyway. If I'm going to be a pit, I hope you got a pit too. And I feel better if you're in a pit if I'm in a pit. No. <laughs> The goal is not to go, hey, we're all in the pit, so let's enjoy it together. The point is this. Could we trust God in that adversity? In the adversity, not after it's over and we look back and go, God got me out of the pit. No, like in the adversity, can we trust God? And if we were, would we really know we're trusting him? See, I, I came, and quite frankly, gift of my wife and our praying together, came across this verse that has really captured my heart, that demonstrates how we know we are trusting God in adversity. Here's the scripture. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Like, not only blessed is the man who is holding 
on to the Lord, but whose like anchor, whose flotation, whichever picture you want, like is the Lord. And here is what I don't want you to miss first. Actually, adversity, and we'll hear in a testimony in a little bit, adversity is a blessing of the Lord. So don't be too quick to go, God, get me out of my pit. It's a blessing of the Lord. And here is the blessing of trusting in the Lord. Next verse. For he, the one whose trust is the Lord, who is trusting in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. See, it's just a different analogy. Instead of a pit, it's like scorching heat. When the heat's on, they don't fear, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought. Could you find a better verse for 2020 than Jeremiah 17, 8? A year of drought. Well, we have not been able to drink, if you will, of some things, and I'm not talking about like a literal drink. I'm talking like yesterday for the first time since February, we saw some folks who we had for years seen every week here on a Sunday morning. Saw him for the first time yesterday without a mask on. It's a year of drought. Got a text last week uh, coming in. I, I texted somebody who I hadn't seen again for, for weeks and I said to him, hey, out of sight has not been out of mind. And they replied, it's been hard. Haven't seen some family in Georgia the entire year. Your drought. But what? Not anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. See, this verse has captured me because it, it helps me understand that when we trust in the Lord, we really are blessed, even in the midst of the adversity, in very specific ways. First, the blessing of those who trust. God in the pits is that they are, what did it say? Fearless. Fearless. See, usually pits create fear. If you're in a literal pit and you think, whoa, am I ever going get to out, get out? Are they going to let me die here? You'd be afraid. Yes? Come on, keep it real. Yes? Yes. Imagine being in a pit and being, I'm not scared. I'm James Bond. No, none of us are James Bond. That's a movie. <laughs> But you fearless? Now, let me give you some help. This past weekend, so two weekends ago, I tried out one of those things they call a smokeless fire pit. You know what I think about the smokeless fire pit? I think big fat lie. That's what I think. Because I was like, there's smoke. It says right there, smokeless. Do you know what they mean? Smoke less. Hey, it says smokeless. Is there a difference between smokeless and smokeless? Yeah. It's just the price. I was like, man, for that price, I want smokeless, not smokeless. Is there a difference between fearless and fearless? Yeah. See, if I say to you, 
trust in the Lord and you'll be fearless. You'll go, nah, not me. Because I know. In my heart, I'm a chicken. I am. So if you go, be fearless, I can go, I want to be fearless. But I can't. But you know what I can be? Fear less. That's huge help to me. <laughs> Through the blessing of trusting the Lord and the adversity, you can fear less. But there's more. Go back. He'll be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought. What's the blessing of trusting in the Lord? Fear less and worry less. <laughs> but what's the path to being a worry wart, wherever that expression came from? Does worry give you warts? I don't know. Worry wart to be a worry wart to worry less. What's the path? Worry less. Hey, Do you want to worry less in adversity? I do. And I wish I could say, and maybe this will like super disappoint you. I wish I could say, no matter the adversity, I am worryless. I, don't, I can't say that yet. But thankfully, I can genuinely say, in the midst of adversity, I worry less. That's an evidence of learning to trust in the Lord in the pits. But that wasn't always true. There was a, a time where I worried as much as I had always worried. How about you? Are you still as worried as you always worry? Or are you learning... Not in and of yourself, but because you are learning to trust God, you're like, huh, I worry less. For me, I don't know if this is true for you. For me, the evidence of worry less is sleep more. Less. Toss, turn. Less, less tightness in my shoulder, less tingling in my face. They're all just physical evidences. Not trusting the Lord, not trusting the Lord, worrying. Psalm 3. Thou, O Lord, art a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Listen, though 10,000 surround me, I lay down and slept. One of my favorite psalms, Psalm 3, because it gives the hope that I know when I am trusting the Lord, I worry less, I sleep more. Not because the adversity is over, the adversity is surrounding me, but I've learned to trust God in it. Uh, I don't know if you're tracking with me, but this 
Jeremiah 17, 8 is so compelling to me because wouldn't you, don't you, don't you really want a life that is <laughs> fearless and worry less? I do. And I think that we usually think, well, that means less adversity, less pits, more cherries, less pits. But that's not the need. It's trust in the Lord. There's more. Like a tree planted by the water, extends its roots by a stream, will not fear when the heat comes, but, it le- but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Did you, did you capture that when we read that? Because what do you expect your plants to do in a year of drought? Die. You don't expect them to be fruitful. Nor do I think as believers in Jesus, do we think even though I'm in a pit, I ought to be fruitful. We tend to excuse ourselves and go, well, life's hard. God has me in the pit. This is hard. So this is not a, we'll say, this is really not a season of fruitfulness. This is a season of adversity. But that's not what the scripture declares. What the scripture declares is that in a season of adversity, those who trust in the Lord are still fruitful. They don't cease to yield fruit. They're fruitful. And again, we say the word, but do you capture what is fruitful? Yeah, it's fruitful. It's not that tomato plant that you poured all that time into and then I got like one little tomato on it. It's like falling over. Fruitful. Now what's the path to fruitless to fruitful? <laughs> fruit. From fruitless to fruit to more fruit to fruitful. Those who trust in the Lord are fruitful. I love it. And what that means is when you're in the pit, the character of God is still evident in your life. We excuse the flesh in times of adversity. In times of adversity, profanity comes out of our mouth and then we go, oh, excuse my French. And then we blame it on the French. But excuse my French. Or, or we just fly off the hand and we go, ah, oh, I know I shouldn't, but it's just been really hard. See, it's the, it's the character of God in the pit and the work of God being done through me, that's fruit. The character of God revealed in me, the work of God done through me, that's what the Bible means when they talk about this image of fruit. And so you're in the pit and you're not like barren. You're in the pit. But the character of God and the work of God still being accomplished in your life. Those who trust in the Lord. Fearless, worryless, fruitful. 
He'll be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be yellow. No? Green. Did you catch that? See, my point is simply this. Though it's heat and drought and you expect barrenness, there's not. It's fruitful. It's fruitful because those who trust in the Lord in adversity do more than just survive. What do they do? Yeah, they thrive. And again, you see this? Why? See why this is becoming like one of my favorite verses? And I hope maybe yours? Because I read this and I think there's not a person that I know that doesn't want life that is worry less, fear less, fruitful, that thrives, doesn't just survive. One of the the pits we didn't talk about is the whole pit of the mundane. How you doing? Uh, It's just kind of the same old, same old. Just day after day. Just surviving. Let's not survive COVID. Let's thrive. That's my point about Christmas Eve. Let's not just survive. Let's not, oh my God, green. Just brown leaves, brown leaves. Fruit next year. Why? Why not green leaves? Why not thrive this year? In the pits and not keep going. When this gets over, it's going to be, then I'm going to. Have you said that? When this gets over, then I will. What are you waiting for? You can trust the Lord in the pit. Not just trust the Lord to get you out of the pit. That's why we're so often disappointed in the Lord because we think the Lord's primary responsibility is to get us out of the pit instead of thriving in the pit. That's his promise to us. And it's a very real promise to not just survive, but to thrive. It's a promise that I just don't want you to see in the life of Joseph. I want you to see it real life in a person here at the CFC. Uh, Listen to her story. Hi, my name is Christine. In January of 2019, I was diagnosed with stage four metastatic breast cancer. At that time, I was not a believer. I was determined that I would control my healing journey and that I would beat cancer by myself. It wasn't working. A few months in, I started counseling at the Hope Center And it was there that my amazing counselor, Holly, shared the gospel with me. And I acknowledged that I am a sinner and that I need a savior. Two months ago, I had a PET scan. And while it showed I still have stage four cancer, it showed that it is sleeping. Thank you, Lord. One doctor had given me a year to live. So it's been almost two years and I am thriving not only in life, but in my relationship with the Lord. To me, COVID has been another dark valley that I've had to cross. Although this time it's not just me and my family, it's the whole world. And while I say dark valley, it really was a blessing, a blessing to have so much uninterrupted time with family, time that previously I had prioritized with my career and not my family. 
I am happy to be raising my daughter to God's glory. Um, COVID uh, and cancer have given me a new perspective in life, a, a new um, appreciation for every day that God gives me. While I probably will never ask God to completely remove my cancer, um, it's because I think I need a daily reminder of his saving grace, a daily reminder that I have given all control over to him and that all that I do is for his glory. See, so unexpected. I remember the f when I first saw what Christine shared, I was like, whoa, not ask the Lord. And it, not because she didn't believe the Lord. But why? Because she learned the blessing of the adversity. She had learned that, that she didn't mean to be out of cancer to thrive, but that actually the cancer was driving her a place to dependence that caused her to thrive. See, I, I hope, hope by her story, maybe your thoughts have dramatically shifted even according to your own pits right now. Your own adversity of thinking, I need out, God. I need out. I, I'm trusting God. Get me out instead of going, Lord, if you want to get me out, that's up to you. But as long as you keep me in, I'm going to trust you and fear less. I'm going to trust you and worry less. And I'm going to trust you and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Who you are is going to be revealed through me. And I want to remain your instrument in the midst of cancer and COVID or whatever pit. I want to be your instrument in it. Not get me out of it and I'll be your instrument. You see, one of the things that it's so normal and natural to do is when we face adversity to retreat because we don't want to kind of be around people when we're in adversity. And in our retreating, we're removing ourselves from being the instruments of God that he wants to use us in the midst of the adversity. So don't retreat. Stay connected to people in it. Allow people to see God in you in the adversity. Because otherwise, we paint a false picture of what it means to trust in the Lord. Because it's too easy to equate one more time. Trust in the Lord out of the pit. Trust in the Lord out of the pit. Versus trust in the Lord in it. Fear less, worry less, fruitful, thriving. Everybody wants to. <laughs> How do you? Don't miss this. A fearless, worryless, fruitful, thriving life is one that is built on the foundation, listen, of believing the promises of God. Because trusting God in the pits is meaning I'll believe what God says in 
the pits. So consider these promises. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And to Isaiah, do not fear, why? For I am with you. Why should Joshua not fear? Because I'll be with you. Why should Isaiah not fear? Because I will be with you. This is not just church speak. This is real, true theology. I will fear less when I believe more the promise he's with me. His presence with me in the storm, in the valley, not just by green pastures and still waters, but where is the the shepherd with me? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, ah, there it is. I'll fear no evil. There is Always, we could spend the rest of our minutes, we won't, showing in scripture, watch, because this is the key. If you are fearful or anything short of fearless, the path to fear less is to believe he's with me. Always. It's, It's the two the scripture always connects together. The presence of God is that which will allay our fears. Being a grandpa has helped me see this again. Because our oldest grandson, Joseph, not this Joseph, obviously. (laughs) Joseph, uh, when he was two years, he discovered something in our house that we didn't know. That in our laundry room, it's just because when you have eight grandkids, you got to get creative where you allow them to take naps. So we put a little bed in our laundry room. And so he was in the laundry room to take his nap and he discovered, I didn't know this, but there's a lion in our laundry room. He was, he's 100% sure there's a lion. In fact, he cannot understand why his cousin Piper sleeps in there with the lion. The only time he'll go in the laundry room is if mom, dad, grandpa or grandma will go in there with him. I've laid on the bed with him. We've looked in the dryer, the washer, the pantry. We've looked and we can't find the lion. I've turned the light off, waiting for the lion to come out and flipped it on. And we've never caught him. But he's sure he's there. But he'll lay there in the dark as long as We're with him. But I've convinced him, I thought, and then crept out of the room. And as soon as the doors closed, our presence is very real to him. The presence of God is intended to be that real for you and I in the midst of our adversity, the midst of our lions. Because sometimes our fears are rational and sometimes our fears are 
You have irrational fears. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Joke, joke. I have irrational fears. And what's intended to cause me to fear less? What? That he is with me in the dark, in the face of lions, whatever your lions are. When you're fearful and you want to fear less, what do you believe? What do you believe? God's with me. He's with me. God's with me. It's a promise to believe more. Check out this from Jesus about worry. For this reason, I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Huge question here. Are you not worth much more than they? Yes or no? Are you more valuable to God than birds? Yes. Absolutely a hundredfold. Yes. No offense to Tweety, but you are lots, lots more valuable to God. Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor they spin. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, tomorrow, thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Why? Because you're more, you're more valuable than grass. What will cause you and I to worry less? Simply our believing more. I'm valuable to him. He values me. Why am I worried? He values me. See, this may be a new thought to you. And I'm not putting you on an ego trip. (laughs) He values you because he created you to glorify him. But you are the most valuable creation of God. Why are you worried? See, let me ask you a question. Why does he value you? I mean, he cre- well, he created me. Yeah, he created Tweety Bird too. Why does he value you more than Tweety Bird? Very simple reason. First, because you're his. And have you ever noticed you value what's yours more than what you value what is others? I learned very quickly as my kids got older. They valued your, their money a lot more than they valued my money. Seriously. When it comes to them spending their money, they're like, hey, careful. Whoa. Dad, you're buying. What's up? They value their money lots more. Why? Because it's theirs. Just like you. You value what's yours more. And so does God. He values what's his more. And you're his because of how much he paid for you. He values you because of how much he paid for you. Right? Maybe you haven't done this, but I've run across lots of people who will say this little scenario. I used to use my, lose my sunglasses all the time. And so I always bought cheap ones because I knew I was going to lose them. And then I decided maybe if I buy an expensive pair, I'll actually keep up with them. Any of you ever thought that? Uh, some of you? 
And, and some of you are going, that didn't work. Because you have bigger issues than just value going on. And, but generally, if we pay more for something, we value it more. That's why you didn't wash your clunker and then you got a new car and you're like, hey, washing it. Don't get near it. No drinks on the new carpet. We just paid a lot of money for that, right? <laughs> we, we value stuff we paid a lot for. How much he pay for you? <laughs> he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? How much did he pay for you? His son. Listen, th this is not just positive thinking. This is biblical truth to deal with our, our worry. And we worry way too much as children of God. Can I have your eyes, please? The biblical answer to my worry and your worry is this. You should not ever need to worry because God has paid the ultimate price for you. He's going to take care of you. That's the rationale of scripture. If, if he paid his son for you, is he then not going to provide for you? Who does that? Not God. So deal with your worry very directly. The next time you and I are worried, we need to simply say, God, I repent. You've paid the ultimate price for me. You will provide for me. I don't need to worry. You'll provide because you've paid the ultimate price. Now you might not go to worry less, but I hope you'll worry less on your way to worry less. Consider this promise, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing, watch, that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and to godliness. I'll be fruitful when I believe the promise. His life in me because he's poured his spirit into me. His life in me has given me all I need to do all he says. His life in me has given me all I need to do all he says. Regardless of the adversity, I can be green-leaved and fruitful. I'm the vine, Jesus says, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the answer isn't to buck up and be strong in the pit, in the adversity. It's to go, Lord, I am trusting in you and your resources and your help and your love and your spirit in me so that your life would be made, made manifest in me. He loves you and has given himself to you. 
Do you need to fear less? Anybody? What's your answer? He's with me. Believe it more. Do you need to worry less? Anybody? What's your answer? He couldn't value you more. Anybody need to be more fruitful? <laughs> yeah, that's all of us. What's the answer? He's in me. He's in me. Everything I need, no matter how deep and dark the pit. Let me invite you to take out, if you came in, I hope you got this. These are the reminders of the elements of the Lord's Supper. If you're at home watching, I invite you to maybe take some moment to grab something. If you, don't, if you don't have one, raise your hand. Okay, I see about three or four hands here in South Ushers. Can you grab these? And over north, if folks over there have their hands up, I mean, uh, Ushers, would you grab these elements? Put your hand down for a second. It's all right. I'll just give you, I'll tell you when they're, I can see when they come back in with the extras. Those of you who have it, go ahead. There's two seals here. Remember, there's the clear one. You peel that off and that gives you the unleavened wafer. And then when you peel the foil next, okay, put your hands back up if you don't, if you need one, the guys will pass around. Thanks guys. Take the foil off and that will give you access to the juice. Okay, I know this is always a bit of a process. Still up here, still right here. All right, I hope that's happening in north as well. All right, to the degree you're ready, can you, can you look up here for a moment? How valuable? This valuable. If you've trusted him, he's poured your spirit, his spirit into your heart. He's with you. Because he's with you, you have everything that you need for life and for godliness. This is why we come back to the gospel. It's not a, just get me to, out of hell into heaven. It's a, Lord, lead me into abundant life. Fear less, worry less, fruitful, thriving. Purchased and provided by the broken body of Jesus and the innocent blood of Jesus on our behalf so that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become and live out the righteousness of God. And his righteousness is love, joy, and peace. That's the invitation to trust in Jesus, not just for heaven, eternal life, but for abundant life. Would you just quietly there declare what promise you need to believe more or promises you need to believe more to enter into abundant life? Thank you for giving us everything, Lord Jesus. Would you take in gratitude with me?
a reflection of our trust in the Lord and his promises. Let's stand and declare this together in song. Make this our prayer that we believe he is with us.